Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the sports editor at the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. So, got Alexis Cubit, our high school sports reporter here as we chat a little bit about week two and preview the week three games. I know you were at uh, Coronado at Lubbock Cooper, Alexis. I know you thought the Mustangs would pull this one out, and certainly it was pretty close throughout the whole contest, but looked like it was a little bit of too much Nehemiah Martinez and Isaiah Johnson in that one. Yeah, they definitely uh, kind of overloaded there in the second half. They came right out in the third quarter in Wildcat, and you know from there, there were just no stopping them, and you know, then you had Cooper's defense that came up with a pick six and then an interception right there, knocking at the door when Coronado was about to score. So, I mean, they really put it together really well there in the in the second half, and uh, I've learned my lesson. Well, it's not necessarily you learned your lesson. It's just you obviously had some real good confidence in Coronado, who, despite the loss, once again, Sawyer Robertson had a pretty good game uh, in the pocket. They had some pretty good games from uh, Caleb Manuel, and you had some other guys as well kind of step up. You saw the weapons that they had. It's just the wins and losses haven't shown uh, what has kind of been a pretty good season for Coronado. It's just they are 0-2 going into this week. But certainly uh, we'll talk a little bit about that contest as they host uh, Odessa High on Thursday. So certainly that should be interesting just in a sense of you certainly don't want to start 0-3 because right. I can't – I'm pretty sure there's a stat somewhere, but I can't imagine if you start 0-3 that much uh, m- much will happen after that. But certainly you want to see a, a victory there for Coronado, which I can kind of foresee will happen. But uh, some other games that we were at uh, going into this one, I know uh, Slayton – uh, was a team that we really wanted to kind of see how they would do. And uh, we had some other games as well where you had the Bulldogs, the Matadors, Westerners, the Harvesters. I, I thought the one that really kind of stood out to me was just uh, Jeremiah Dobbins for Estacado. 23 times he carried the football, 254 yards, and a come from behind Wick, uh, pardon me, victory, victory over the Harvesters. So the number eight ranked, at least at that point, Matadors got a 30-24 to win against the Harvesters where they were trailing, but they were able to kind of get back thanks to Jeremiah Dobbins and TJ Steele who had seven catches for 74 yards. Right, and I think that's the other thing too is that, um, you know, they've got kind of, like pretty much everybody around here, they're pretty loaded offensively. Uh, you know, even that first game against Coronado when they – you know, did what they did there, and Jeremiah Dobbins, you know, doing what he does. I mean, T.J. Steele has been consistently one of the favorite targets for Jalen, and he's definitely shown why and produced pretty much every week up until this point. And certainly he produced in that game was uh, throwing for 125 yards and had a 75% completion rate. So certainly you like that. Not only that, but then the defense, as we've kind of mentioned as before, the Matadors is really good. Cedric Colbert had nine tackles, and Kiki Murray had two interceptions in that victory. Another game where you thought – at least I felt like Lubbock High was on a competitive uh, kind of playing field with Borger. They lost that one 33-21. It was a tough one there for the old Westerners. Speaking of tough ones, Snyder lost uh, 70-3 to to Brownwood. That was another one that we I, – I at least was shocked with uh, more so just because of the, the three points that Snyder played. But Brownwood, certainly a very, very good team historically. Smyer, 36, playing zero. And I guess uh, in terms of some of these other ones, I know for me – 
seeing the way Bryson Daly showed his dual threat ability, yeah. 182 yards, three touchdowns, threw for 104, and Abernathy beat at least what I had thought going into this week, or last week, should I say, a really good sundown squad that was at least poised to be a real good offensive team, held a Christian Huey quarterback for the Roughnecks to not that many yards throwing in a 42-9 to victory. I, I think that the most impressive thing to me, yes, Bryson Daly was a dual-threat quarterback, but the fact that that defense of the Antelopes held Christian Huey to 137 passing yards and only a touchdown, that's yeah. impressive to me. And then four interceptions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the four interceptions, which, again, the defense does get credit for that. But, I mean, just seeing that Christian Huey was just so so off kilter just goes to show that the Antelopes are playing at a high level early on. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I think for those that, you know, like we talked about before the season started, that big senior class, well, I mean, they have some big juniors and some big sophomores coming up that, you know, are just proving why um, kind of that continuity can stay at, at – Abernathy as far as, you know, not having a season of letdown. You know, like we talked about, a lot of them got that playing time last year. Wasn't maybe necessarily as much because of that senior class, but, you know, you had guys getting there and get that experience. And so I think you're you're now starting to see the, the, uh, the fruits of that labor. And, you know, Dante Flores, 10 tackles. Uh, Aaron Trevino with nine. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've got players that are ready to go for sure. Seminole and Idaloo had a little bit closer of a final result. Seminole winning 22-21 to 21 over Idaloo. Jared Bagwell, 15 carries, 72 yards, throwing it for 169 yards and one touchdown. Nice when you have a dual-threat quarterback like that, especially for Seminole, which is a, a, a very prevalent run team. But the fact that he can still throw for that many yards is certainly a, a nice little deal there for them. Anything else that kind of stood out to you last week, Alexis? I know I'm kind of going through a lot of these new deal 43 mule shoot 12 again we're going to recap all the games from last week or at least kind of mention some of the scores and then of course we'll preview going into week three and we're looking to try and get a, a coach going into the second segment hopefully abernathy's uh, daryl daly will be on our podcast segment but of course uh, the second segment always goes with a coach from a winning team from the previous week so hopefully we'll get him but anything else kind of stood out to you last week i think the one that i kind of forgot about a little bit because it was a Thursday game was that uh Wiley at Monterey yeah I mean Corian Bailey just kind of did Corian Bailey things yeah exactly you know 344 yards passing four touchdowns only one interception uh 21 of 28 so you know I think Monterey is on a roll right now and I'm not sure who can stop him well the 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 other important thing just based off of last year I know we kind of look towards that and I'm sure Hutchinson will obviously say last year was last year but they're they are halfway to their win total from last year after missing the playoffs I know they talked a lot about that so certainly that's fueling them but Mm -hmm. the one thing that you can look to is the fact that they are at least clicking on all cylinders offensively Corian Bailey being that main catalyst for them then you got of course uh, D. Lacey Mm -hmm. and of course some of those other guys that have kind of stepped in into those roles as well I think that the one thing that Hutchinson will kind of uh, temper some of those excited feelings is the fact that it's still early in the season and you still have to keep that continuity going. I think that's the most important one. The the only other one I guess I could kind of mention was the fact that Friendship wasn't able to get to 2-0, lost to overtime to uh, Wichita Falls. Yeah. Uh, Hershey, that was a tough one for the Tigers, but certainly shows that they are at least in that mentality, as I'd kind of mentioned with uh, 
head coach Jay Northcutt, I just feel like they've got that killer instinct, that winning mentality. Yes, they're one and one right now, but could easily have been two and zero if they were able to kind of obviously kind of turn things around. But certainly, it, it should be interesting to see how they kind of play going down the rest of the season. Yeah, and I talked to Coach Northcutt today, and you know, just talking about I think maybe the Emerald High win got them a little more pumped up yeah. than you know he was comfortable with. Possible. Um, he said they weren't quite maybe as focused coming into Hershey, but you know, I think that even with that, I mean it's normal for kids to get excited and that might be the case where, you know, they just kind of maybe celebrated that too much. But I think even with that, they remember those feelings of last year being three and seven and the year before that of being oh and ten and they're, you know, gonna think, you know, not again. This is not gonna yeah. be that same kind of year. So I think even with getting that excited for uh, the Amarillo high win and then losing to Hershey, they've kind of, you know, now been a little more maybe focused in getting back into just having that, you know, that killer instinct or that kind of fight just kind of going back to what I had mentioned when we first talked about friendship. I know last year was turnovers. This year might be some penalties because at one point in that overtime, uh, right. pe- that overtime period, friendship actually did have Wichita Falls Hershey. I believe it was third and twenty-one, um, but a pass interference mm-hmm. obviously gave it new life, and they were able to kind of get that yeah. victory. So that's certainly one that you will look at in the film. But the fact that you were able to score so many points in that game just goes to show the type of offense that you got. Thirty-seven points, Donovan. Smith, Drew Hocutt. I mean, we can kind of repeat all the names that we've said before, but they have a really good offense. Just a matter of can you get that defense going? And I think if they do, they're going to be a really good team this year. Yeah, and they've you know got some things going there on defense. Uh, Jake Gilbert right now is their leading tackler. Yeah, and, you know. Um, I think they're still, they haven't got an interception yet, so they'll still kind of be looking for that. Yeah. Certainly have those opportunities moving forward as the season goes. Speaking of as the season goes, the volleyball season goes as well. I know we're kind of going a little bit back and forth here, but I know you are covering a game tonight, that being a Coronado hosting is Randall. it Randall? Thank yep. you. I get get them confused. Kenny Randall will be traveling to Coronado. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit of that, but they're a very youthful team, the Lady right. Mustangs. But just uh, the, the one thing that really kind of surprised me when I was looking at the district standings today in three five A was Lubbock Cooper zero and two, Lubbock High zero and two. The one that surprises me, obviously, is Lubbock Cooper. Carly Morrison and company have been really good. It's just sometimes you kind of get the unlucky uh, draw, if you will. And uh, right now they're trying to kind of play just to kind of be in that spot to where you can get a playoff spot. So I think uh, that that could start happening starting tonight. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of the same deal. Uh, Lubbock, Cooper, and Coronado are kind of the same in that they have a lot of young players. The only difference with Coronado is that they have two really good returning players with Carson Edwards and Aaliyah Gray. Lubbock, Cooper doesn't really seem to have that returning player that can be as dominant as those two girls are. So now you have, you know, younger girls trying to step up and fill those spots. And, I mean, they're coming along. It's just mm-hmm. when you play Take against some time. right when you play against people like you know Amarillo High or you know the Coronados or Monterey mm-hmm. who's on a roll right now also uh, you know or even uh, I think Caprock is I can't remember what their record is right now mm-hmm. but you know just when you go up against the kind of competition that they are you have to grow up really really quickly and you know it's just kind of incremental right now I feel like just in terms of some of those teams I guess uh, anything surprised you so far at least other than the 0 and two starts for obviously uh, or at least the 0-2 start for Lubbock Cooper is the one that really kind of surprised me when I was looking at the district standings. Totally forgot about that, but it's just when you kind of stared at it and you're like, oh, wow, it's just kind of what one of those things. Yeah, I think Monterey is kind of surprising yeah. at 3-0. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of 
from what I've understand how they've done in the past, maybe not so well. Mm-hmm. But they're just, like I said, they're hitting on all cylinders. They've got, you know, like we've talked about, that size, that talent, kind of everything really culminating and coming together for them. But I think that's something that the other teams in the district might can look to as inspiration just because those girls weren't always that way. You know, they've had to play together since eighth grade and come along. And even for some of the younger girls that are on the team now, they look to those older girls and are kind of building on that. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure at one point they had a program best start, so I'm pretty sure now yeah. they're just kind of adding to it at this point. I don't know if they've ever gone 3-0 and in district play. Um, so, you know, they'll be at Plainview, I believe, tonight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, should be able to pick up that win there. So, I mean, they have a really good chance of going from missing the playoffs last year to being one of the top seeds this year. I guess one that kind of stands out to me right now, Friendship was a team we talked about early on, haven't really heard much from them. Could have a test uh, tonight as they take on Leveland, who's 16-9, and nine, if I'm not mistaken, coming off a weekend of victory over Snyder. That one should be interesting just to see, one, either can Leveland play up to the competition of a Class 6A opponent, and mm-hmm. number two, can Friendship kind of continue its role that it's kind of started on and maybe kind of remind people, hey, we're still here. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are the lone Class 6A, but certainly a, a tough district when you look at an uh, at Odessa High or you look at Ode- uh, Odessa Permian, you have plenty of teams there of Midland and all those teams, you're going to have to play at a high level. Can you kind of get that started before you get into District 2 6A play? And I think that's what I'm kind of interested in. But uh, anything else you kind of wanted to mention through volleyball as um, we've kind of gotten to about 13 minutes here? Yeah, I mean, just kind of with that, that game today uh, with Leveland and Friendship, I think the key for both of them will be discipline because you'll have you know, friendship who is playing, you know, a smaller school. So, you know, they have to still maintain their game, but at the same time, Leveland has to make sure that they don't get rattled or anything like that. And they've got some young girls too. So it'll be interesting, you know, with Cassie Spears, who's kind of leading the way for them. Michaela Watkins doing some good things, but then you have, you know, your Gracie Harrison and your Allie Mayfield's on the other side for friendship. So, uh, yeah, I think the main thing will be to see who can kind of stay in their game and not get rattled. And that'll be who can win. I haven't talked a little bit about them, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be really good once the playoffs start. Trinity Christian is going to be a team mm-hmm. to kind of listen towards. Ha- don't have a game up until September or, or match, pardon me, until September 17th, if I'm not mistaken, but they're 10, 12, and 3. Mm-hmm. Don't let that uh, win-loss kind of fool you. They've got some real good talent. Kelly Johnston being one of them, Brooke Cox another, and uh, Peyton Dove another, especially on the defensive side. But mm-hmm. speaking of defense, you're going to probably see a lot going into this game on Thursday as Coronado hosts. Um, oh man, Odessa. There you go, Odessa mm-hmm. High. I got a lot of teams in my head right now, but Coronado's certainly looking to kind of get on the winning side. I would venture to guess that is a possibility against Odessa High, who was absolutely demolished in, in the nicest possible terms that I could say by Monterey, but Monterey is kind of on its own level at this point with right. all the offensive weapons, but I mean, if there is a team that does mimic them, at least in my mind, you've got a kid in Sawyer Robertson, you got a kid in Caleb Manuel, and you got a kid in, I um, can't remember his name right now, the wide receiver for Coronado. I am John Hernandez. John Hernandez, thank well, you, you. Yeah, you've got a, a couple of different ones because you got John, you've got uh, Will Boyle. So they're trying to get Corey for I'm I'm not gonna say his last name right, okay. but Ferreria, I think it is. Sorry, Corey. Close enough. Um, you know they're all coming on, uh, and then also you have Neil High who had a really good game against Estacado. That's right. Uh, and then they'll be just kind of looking to get that run game going so that they can get their their pass game going and you know just kind of spreading it around a little more. 
Not only that, but then when you look at the defense, starting with Charlie Robinson, I think they're going to be able to stop that run attack, which is really what Odessa High has been known for the last couple of years with Danny Servants, former Estacado coach at the helm over there with the Broncos. Should be interesting to see, but like I said, I, I would be shocked if uh, Coronado cannot come out uh, with the victory and at least feel good about the way that they played because, I mean, the, the thing is, is I again, I mentioned it at the top of this, but 0-2 looks a lot worse than what it really is. Right. Coronado kept itself in the game. It was a back-and-forth affair against Estacado, back-and-forth against Lubbock Cooper. Yes, the final score doesn't kind of show how close it was, but it was certainly a, a tooth-and-nail type affair where Coronado has just had to play two really top-level teams, and mm-hmm. those two top-level teams just unfortunately played about 20 miles or so away from Coronado where they play. Yeah, so the thing is just finishing games. That's kind of what I talked to Coach Parr uh, yesterday, which would be Monday, about that. Um, yeah. You know, they stayed close. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figure, if I recall correctly, Estacado was ahead by less than a touchdown mm-hmm. and a half that first week, and then last week it was a tie mm-hmm. with Cooper going into halftime. So it's always those fourth quarters. Well, not always. It's only been two games. But <laughs> the past mm-hmm. two games, it's been those those fourth quarters. And so uh, that's been, I think, from what I could tell, a major point of emphasis as far as, okay, we need to be conditioned to mm-hmm. play in the fourth quarter. You know, we can't let that happen to us. We can't, you know, let things kind of slip away. We have to, to play all four quarters, and, you know, we can't be – Satisfied. We mm-hmm. have to make sure that everybody's kind of playing together and one person isn't too high or too low or, you know, it's just a that team effort that coaches always talk about. And I think uh, the one thing that really can at least help Coach Parr, I know obviously there's a lot of people telling, probably telling him a, a, a lot about the 0-2 start, but mm-hmm. you've had such good starts with your offense. It's yeah. just a matter of just kind of being more consistent, which is a word he's used before. He wants to see more passion from his players. Mm-hmm. You certainly had all all those things, it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together, as you kind of mentioned in that fourth quarter, because the first half has been good for Coronado right. in terms of offense and defense, just kind of really kind of translating it to those last two quarters. I think that's where they need to kind of see that transition to kind of see the win, at, le- at least a, a, a notch in the win column, should I say. And I, I can probably foresee that that's going to happen on Thursday, although I know Coach Parr will say, well, let's just see how things happen on the field. Yeah, and I think the thing about when you play teams like Estacado and Lubbock Cooper, who are both ranked in the state right now, yep. um, you can kind of see what your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see those areas like Coach Parr talked about, Sawyer starting off with the, you know, playing against a press coverage yeah. against Estacado. Um, you, you use those games, and even though, like you said, the 0-2 start isn't what they wanted yeah. it wasn't necessarily something that couldn't wasn't in the realm of possibility yeah and so now you take you know what you've learned from those games and you go into an Odessa high who you know may not be as good as you know the Estacados or the Lovett Coopers and so now that you've played those teams and you said okay if a good team can expose this in us this is what we need to work on uh, you know if we play a team that maybe isn't so good but we still have sharpened that skill to where now we compete with those better teams I mean how much better does that make you it makes them a lot better and, and I would even again I, I know I'm harping on this 0-2 thing, so I'm not trying to say that they're a bad team. Again, 0-2 is just a number. I know Coach Parr will talk about how he's seen his team play, and certainly they've played well the first two games. If you get this victory against Odessa High, you're 1-2. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that people forget is once district starts, the whole different right. animal, because that's where you kind of qualify for the playoffs, and I think as to your point, Seth Parr just wants to see his team start playing better, learning from their mistakes, and playing at a high level once they do get to that District 3-5-8 
play, and I think they will once they do get to that point. Yeah, and again, just looking at those two teams, state ranked, both teams are 2-0. and um, Estacado playing here, I guess it would be against Caprock, I think it is. Yes, and hosting them. Lubbock Cooper going uh, to Friendship on Friday. So, yep. you know, these are, these are we have some good teams in the area for sure, and it makes it really interesting just to kind of see how everybody does. Absolutely, and uh, kind of speaking of some of those, we'll talk about some of those games. At least the one that stands out to me, it's always a game that everyone wants to be at. You're going to kind of see, if you thought Lubbock Cooper and Coronado were crazy, or if you thought... Coronado and Estacado was crazy. Just wait till you see Friendship and Lubbock Cooper. That is something that has always been a game every year. I mean, I, I know at least the last couple years, Ronald Awad is a kid. He's now at UTEP. He had some pretty – he had a crazy run, if I'm not mistaken, that was like a game-winning run. I, I want to say it was a 30-plus yard, 40-plus yard run that kind of allowed Lubbock – or, uh, pardon me, Friendship to beat Lubbock Cooper that year. Okay. Previous years, you've obviously had some other guys as well that have kind of stepped up. Isaiah Johnson has been one. But right. it's certainly going to be one where kids want to play at a high level. So you're going to see another high-level game back and forth, at least from my perspective. I think friendship's really good, but I think Lubbock Cooper just got too much talent again. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Lubbock Cooper this week. I've, like I said, I've. Oh, you um, learned your lesson, eh? Yeah, I did. I did. I saw them in action. I'm just thinking, okay, you know, I don't think these guys are gonna lose for a while. But just you haven't seen friendship. For well, what that's, that's true. worth. That's true too. Um, but uh, you know, and it's kind of it's interesting when they talk about like kind of the rivalry games, and I feel like, and I think pretty much every coach in this area has alluded to it. Anytime a Lubbock area school plays another when it's a rivalry you know because yeah. you've had these kids that have grown up together and you know they see each other all the time maybe they play sports in the summer together mm-hmm. but then they go to the different high schools so you know and I think rivalry may not even be the best word for it because rivalry I feel like has like a, a connotation of just like hate for each other I don't think they hate each other I think it's just where, well maybe they do I don't know but I think it's maybe just where it, it's fun because it's your friend on the other side and you know you're like okay I'm, I want to beat him the competition is ramped up a little bit yeah. because the thing is is when whoever wins wins you've got that whole year to talk smack to your buddy right and that's you know that's kind of a fun thing I mean high school wasn't that long ago for me I remember mm-hmm. you know my cousin going to one high school and me being at another and it would be kind of fun to Tina mess with their art our football team wasn't that good, so I didn't do much talking. But yeah. in those occasions where we did do good, it would be fun to kind of, you know, go back and forth with them. But as far as the game goes, yeah, um, it sounds like it should be pretty crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it should be really interesting seeing how Donovan Smith responds to Lubbock Cooper's defense just because they're just – they're – they're big, they're fast, they've got guys all over the field who can take everything away. I find it interesting, and again, I'm not trying to flip-flop here, but this is the one thing that I will say is an X factor that would make me rethink my thought that Lubbock Cooper could win this game, and his name is Donovan Smith. He is a dual-threat quarterback, which Lubbock Cooper has not seen so far this year. They played Andrews, who has a pocket passer. They played Coronado, who Sawyer Robertson for lack of a better term, could be a pocket quarterback. He certainly has the legs if needed, but Donovan Smith has some wheels. And I think that is going to be the X factor in this game is, yes, 
you have some offensive weapons that being a Drew Hoka, Daniel Garland, you can go down the list with that. But it all comes down to Donovan Smith. Will Lubbock Cooper be able to contain him in the pocket, not allow him to get extra yards, extend the play, try and find a wide receiver that is open? Because if they're able to do that, then I feel like that is a recipe for success for the Pirates. Now, on the other side, can friendship, as you kind of mentioned, get that loss out of their mouth because it was so close. It's tough to kind of get through those up until you get that first win. But certainly if you were able to get a win over Lovett Cooper, who is undefeated going into this game, certainly that would be a nice little feather on your cap, especially for some of these seniors who haven't had that feather in their cap the last couple years. That would certainly be some uh, motivation, I guess is the best way to put that for them to get this victory. Not only that, but then I think just to kind of get a win at home, I think is Mm -hmm. something that is also kind of near and dear to some of those seniors' hearts as well. Yeah, and I think uh, it'll ultimately come down to getting going and staying going and just that conditioning factor late in the game. I think that's what it'll probably come down to as far as that goes. Uh, who can, you know, be conditioned, who can, you know, stay in it for all four quarters. And that's something that Coach Northcutt talked about maybe didn't happen yeah. against Hershey. Um, just like you mentioned, that pass interference call and just not being in the no, right just assignments. Rough. Just tough. Yeah. And so um, that's one thing. And then that's also something Coach Darden was talking about as far as just getting his team conditioned it's been some hot games so you know that's kind of affected them a little bit but he has seen where uh you know from that Andrews game going into Coronado where they have improved that conditioning and you definitely saw it there in the fourth quarter um against Coronado so you know you have one team that is building that conditioning and another team maybe who is not correcting it so we'll see how it all kind of washes out there on Friday night I'm going to go a little bit of a lightning round right here with the last couple games. I'm going to kind of remember some of them. You may have to remind me about some of the other ones that we'll either be covering or at. Uh, let me see. Cap Rocket Estacado. Why does Estacado not win this game? Uh, I don't think they lose. I don't think they'll lose for, for a little bit, too. I just think that they're they're loaded right now and they're playing really explosive football and, you know, they're all really excited. So I think that uh, they can they can pick this one up. I have to agree with you. I think the home crowd will certainly kind of be behind them, especially after a huge victory over Coronado. I think uh, everyone in Lubbock understands how good of a team Joe Cooley and company has now. Yes, I know it's it's not the best thing in the world that you kind of have to beat a Coronado to kind of prove that, but they've had a very good team the last several years, and I think uh, it's something to kind of watch out for is with that home field advantage. Estacado's going to use that to where maybe they didn't have that at, at a Pampa where mm-hmm. you travel so far, you don't have that many fans, you kind of have to really kind of uh, – Start your own energy, if that makes sense, on on the road. And I think they'll be able to do that with their defense. Cedric O'Bear, TJ Steele on the offensive end. Jalen Dobbins, I think, has to have a good game. Mm -hmm. If he has a good game, I think everything else kind of falls into place. Uh, After that, let me think. Wellington at Abernathy. That should be a really good one. Last year, uh, Wellington beat Abernathy, but now you have, you know, they're back again. They'll be playing at Abernathy's place, and that should be interesting for sure. Should certainly be a, uh, as as they like to say, one where they 
they maybe hold some fans out of the stadium because I'm sure Abernathy wants that bitter taste out of their mouth. And it'll be interesting to see, at least for me, just to see how much Bryson Daly can really kind of carry this team. He does have other offensive weapons as well on that team, but I know at some point there will be a team that finds a way to slow down Bryson Daly and they will have to find that extra weapon. I'll be interested to find out who that is because once they do, if they do find that out and they do find that kid that steps up, Abernathy could be dangerous going into the playoffs. Yeah, it looks like Avery Clarkson might be kind of that guy there, just yeah. with that running attack. Um, yep. He's only a junior, mm-hmm. so kind of, again, that continuity factor again and, you know, just in his genes because of Easton. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good to see, but I think that they'll, uh, they'll make it a game. Um, not sure who wins that one, though. I'm going to say Abernathy. Okay. Um, they're I'll at home. With you. Well, once again, they're at home. <laughs> you, you always go with the home team unless you have That's this fair. gut feeling, which I totally get you on last week when you had Coronado. Is a gut feeling. Totally feel that. This one I have a gut feeling about Lubbock Cooper. I don't feel good about it when they play friendship and Woolforth, but I, I just have a gut feeling about Lubbock Cooper having yeah. some talent and some real good defense. But Donovan Smith worries me because he is a really good player. Yeah, um, what, what else do you got in your notebook? Because I can't remember off, uh, off the top of my head right now. New Deal at Slayton. We've got Wellington at Abernathy. And, uh, oh, you already talked about that one. And Monterey at Clovis. Monterey at Clovis could be interesting only because of the fact, and I know it, it seems to be a – ongoing storyline so to speak not a good or a bad thing it's just when you go to New Mexico you have to deal with different holding rules different blocking rules chop blocks all this other stuff but time zone change well yeah I suppose the time zone change yes but I I think the the rules are, are different because you're so used to you're already going on the road which is putting you in a foreign position so to speak mm-hmm. and then to not only have different rules and changes and all that that kind of kind of messes with your head as well but I think Monterey's talented enough to get a victory over Clovis yeah I agree I think they'll come back three and zero, and um you know come home to play friendship I, or no I'm sorry love at Cooper next Thursday and you know that'll that'll that should be just with the way things are headed that would be uh one to watch for next week I may actually show up to that if that does happen but that one should be fun depending on and obviously the results going into this week. Uh, the other one that kind of stood out to me, New Dale Slayton. Obviously, mm-hmm. Slayton got a big victory last week over Brownfield. I believe it was 13-12, which doesn't shock me. Those mm-hmm. are two teams that grounded out, pounded out. I know uh, – I can't remember his name right now. Coach uh, – oh, man. At Slayton? I, yes, at Slayton. Caffey. There you go, Caffey. Coach Caffey uh, kind of mentioned after the game that he wasn't pleased with the way his team was playing, especially with all the penalties that they had. But I think uh, things get turned around. I know he's a master motivator. That's the nice way of putting it because I'm sure he's going to tell his kids that's not allowed or just in terms of we can't do this if you want to be successful. So I'm sure they'll turn things around. But New Deal's just got a bunch of talent, starting with Dylan Jordan. Right. I, I think New Deal gets that one. Um, there were a lot of questions, obviously, with New Deal just because of Jet and DK leaving but I think they were answered yeah I was gonna (laughs) say it's been and again I don't want to get too high on teams just because it's two weeks but you know I mean you can tell a lot about a team after two games consistency it's all about the consistency or kind of like I told you like if if uh, once you get to that second week you see how teams play or if they get better Mm -hmm. or worse and then not only that but then you get tape on the previous week and then if 
something is taken away that week, you can kind of figure it out. And if they find someone that emerges kind of like you were talking about with Abernathy, you kind of learn a little bit. Right. They've got plenty. They got Dylan Jordan and some of the other guys as well. Hayden Cottle yeah. and kind of all those guys as well. It, and Larrick getting in there, you yeah, know, as far right. as the run game, we always know him as a, you know, as a defensive player. Yeah. yeah. Just because of how, I mean, dynamic he was last season, but he's getting some touches there on offense. And that's something that coach Hill talked about just incorporating him a little more in de- in their offensive scheme and kind of getting him to run the ball some more. So that's been another another bright spot. That one should be fun. Anything else you wanted to mention? Um, Crosbyton at Sudan might be kind of interesting just because of how well Christian Montez did last week. Two running teams should be interesting. Yeah, no, definitely a good one to kind of look at for anyone that's looking at our on-the-radar games, which, of course, uh, post on Fridays. Uh, of course, you get the preview of our game of the week that we typically go to, which that one will be uh, Lubbock Cooper at Friendship and Wolfort. That one should be a good one. Also have some previews on uh, Coronado hosting Odessa High on Thursday. And then, of course, our stats package that comes out every Thursday so you can find out who's leading in passing, rushing, receiving, defense, and kind of all those things that kind of get everyone talking. Other than that, you got anything else you got to say, Alexis? Uh-huh. Do you want to just go over those stat leaders real quick? Uh, I mean, if you want to go the top ones, don't okay. don't, don't tease at all. Yeah, you know? so we'll go, well, obviously, no surprise here, Jeremiah Dobbins-Vesticado is top for rushing. Corian Bailey, because of his performance there at Monterey, is top for passing, receiving Gus Davis at Sundowns top. And that's kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, then you have for total tackles, Matthew Morales at Florida with 34. There you go. Top tackler uh, for interceptions. You have Ethan Ramirez from Smyre, Michael Ojeda. Ojeda. Ojeda from Sundown. They both have three mm-hmm. to top that. And then, again, no surprise here for quarterback sacks. Papa Blewett there at Estacado leading with seven. So those are kind of some of the top guys that are leading so far this week. Papa Blewett good on defense. Jeremiah Dobbins a good runner. That's usually a pretty good result for wins, which Estacado certainly has a couple of them this year. So should be interesting to see going into week three. Uh, of course, don't forget to pick up the Lubbock Avalanche every week go to lubbockonline.com to get all the information of course all the week three live updates that we provide throughout all of friday night and of course all of our roundups and game stories as well in the lubbock avalanche journal on saturday night or should i say saturday night i'm thinking of friday night going into saturday morning then we'll have obviously all the other recaps as well don't forget to follow alexis cubit at alexis underscore cubit on twitter for all her updates and at lone star varsity on twitter as well for all that i'm carlos silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper. Appreciate you listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We'll have our second portion with a coach talking about last week's win. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity podcast. And for that, we bring on Abernathy head coach Daryl Daly. How you doing, coach? Doing good, Carlos. Well, certainly when you're 2-0 and and you start off with two big wins, coach, I know obviously you have to be uh, at least in good spirits with the way the team played against a, a very potent sundown squad. I guess just kind of after looking at the tape, I guess what did your defense do so well to kind of keep Christian Huey kind of off kilter? Well, you know, he uh, he's, he's a really good quarterback, and and but defensively, one thing we did, we got a, a couple starters uh, at linebacker back from uh, the last couple of years. They did play the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt DeAnda, Dante Flores, and really shored up our uh, defensive linebacker uh, group, and 
they played awful well, and we just put a lot of pressure. You know, we got a, they couldn't run the ball very well, and we put enough pressure on them to stop the passing game, stop a really good athlete. Yeah, I guess from your perspective, when you kind of play a sundown team, I know you're going to see some others uh, when you do play in district play, but how much does that help you down the road to know that you all have played a team like that and were able to kind of obviously play at that high a level to kind of slow down a team that's kind of known for putting the scores up in the double digits? Well, you know, it helps our mindset, especially, you know, early play a really good quality team, and sundown's always that way. And we played them, this is 11 straight year, and we play them, and, and uh, have always done, uh, you know, pretty well against them. But it's mm-hmm. always been a tough game, and it's always got us ready for later on. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those ones on the schedule that just makes us better. I know, obviously, the the nine has to do pretty well just because of the the, the defensive emphasis you guys have. But I guess for you, what was the most positive uh, stat or positive uh, thing you took away from the game film after you kind of watched uh, the the forty two to nine victory over Sundown? Well, you know, yeah. I, Defensively, I mean, guys playing awful well, you know. But offensively, we needed to get a little bit better. And in the running back position, I thought Avery uh, Clarkson played Mm -hmm. awful well. uh, Made a couple good runs. Uh, Of course, uh, Bryson played awful well at quarterback. But he spread the ball around and and was able to get in the end zone, you know, a few times. But uh, there were just some guys that made some good plays. A sophomore, uh, Sean Rodriguez. big catch you know deep and you know we just we've got uh, some weapons pretty much in all the spots you know and some of them with a little bit of inexperience but they'll get that way as we get going and you know i feel good about the group we have it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I was talking with Bryce and obviously uh, your son uh, before the season started, and he said you guys were going to be really young at some certain positions, and there might be some growing pains, and it kind of reminded him of his sophomore year where he had to kind of go through those growing pains. doesn't seem like you guys are going through it, or maybe you have, but I guess what have you done to kind of incorporate some of these younger guys to get ready for these Friday night lights? Because clearly there's a big transition, but it seems like maybe you guys have kind of maybe kind of – found a way to kind of t- take that away I guess for, from some of those younger guys well you know for, they're pretty talented those younger guys you yeah. know not only you Sean and different ones that we had to move up our starting center sophomore uh, Go Vandergriff and and some other ones and when Chess Hold moved in for friendship as mm-hmm. a sophomore awful talented kid that you know he'd been playing quarterback but we're putting him in and he's playing different spots and and doing awful well, but they're talented kids that are young, and, and uh, it just—I don't know—they just grew up through the scrimmages. And yeah, they still got a long way to go, and we, we got a long way to go. But you know, they're awful talented kids. Speaking of talented, I know obviously everyone's going to talk about Bryson, but you mentioned a kid that really kind of struck, uh, at least uh, kind of caught my eye just from from looking at the stats. Bryson had some pretty good stats in that first game against River Road, but you got a guy like Avery Clarkson, 19 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. How much of a bell cow has he been for you this year? Uh, yeah, he's good. You know, he has to step in and, and uh, take the place of uh, some pretty good ones yeah. that we've had, yeah. especially Coe Carlisle last year. Yeah. And even Adrian Macias, it was in the backfield. So, uh, you know, he's doing he's doing well. He's a, he's a good good athlete. Uh, still kind of learning that tailback position uh, uh, as far as doing some things we need him to do. But uh, he got to play a lot of a lot of minutes in the in the playoffs last year, along with Sylvester Torres. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have a good 
good set of running backs that just, you know, as we go, I think they'll get better and better. But he's he's doing a good job. And he's really doing a good job also on the on the defensive side. It's mm-hmm. he's a dang good one. I know, obviously, uh, most of your offense is kind of predicated around the run, kind of milking the clock, kind of being out tough and kind of punching the guys in the mouth. But how nice is it to kind of have a kind of a vertical thread with the Jake Ayers and kind of a Nick DeAnda and Sean Rodriguez? Oh, it's it's good. You know, you can keep people off the toes, you know. And, yeah. And we've hit some people deep uh, so far. And, you know, people will back off us a little bit. But, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do. And, yeah. Uh, because of some of the ones that we have and, and the different positions, we can spread the ball around, throw the ball around, and uh, kind of keep, like I said, keep them on their heels a little bit. But we're going to still run the football. Now, I know you kind of mentioned, obviously, the the younger kids have kind of gotten used to the Friday Night Lights, at least with the 2-0 and record and all that. But I guess for you, uh, as a coach, obviously you want each of your players to get better each day. How have you kind of either uh, equated or, or found objectives to kind of make sure that those kids kind of keep, those ta- keep that on task and make sure that they are getting better each day and kind of grow their confidence each, each week? Well, we just kind of we kind of do what we do as far as practice is concerned. Pretty, you know, uh, make sure that we're right on top of them. Make sure they're getting better. You know, yeah. and we expect that, and the older kids expect that. So, you know, uh, uh, we just work and we work hard, and and we expect a lot of things from them. And you know, and and most of those guys are going to step up and get better and better. Well, they're certainly going to have to be pretty good uh, this week. Uh, obviously, you guys got Wellington, a team that obviously uh, gave you a loss last year. I guess what what can you remember from that last year, and I guess what do some of the kids kind of remember from that game from last year that they're going to kind of take and kind of take some learning lessons, obviously some tough ones, but at least uh, something that, that you can take away from last year? Well, you know, they that was a kind of a crazy game. Uh, they were awful good last year, yeah. just like this year. We went in there without Bryce, and we yep. we lost the linebacker. Dante Flores was there, and we started we started a bunch of young kids. Carlisle uh, kind of went out of the game after about a quarter, mm-hmm. played a little bit after that. But you know, we got bunched right in the mouth, and uh, you know, ended up being like twenty eight seven on and lost in the regular season. Yep. Uh, but it, it really got the kids going and understood, you know that. You gotta you gotta step up, play better defense, yeah, and do a little bit better job on offense. It was a, it was a good game for that. You hate to lose, but it kind of kick started this again for the rest of the season. I know, obviously, you kind of know him just because he's your son. But I guess, what can you tell some listeners about Bryson Daly and what makes him so special? Uh, he's such a great leader. I mean, his expectations of level of play is way, is way up there, and. Uh, He's going to play hard. He's going to do anything he can to do to help the team win, not just his stats or whatever. It's yep. not a big deal. And, you know, and he's always played that way, and you know, and uh, uh, he just plays hard, and, and, and he has a lot of talent doing it. He's so strong, running the ball, and uh, you know, he's tough to take down. And then you put him on the defensive side of the ball where. Well, a lot of people are recruiting him maybe more on the defensive side. But, yeah. You know, he does a great job for us in, in the linebacker position. So, you know, like I always tell people, I'm glad he's playing for us. Yeah. Well, obviously you've seen him play a lot. A lot of people have seen him play a lot. But do you have any favorite memories of him off the field? Oh, oh I don't know about off the field. He's done He's done a lot of great things. Yeah. You know? 
in other sports, you know, I guess kind of our whole life's been around sports. Mm-hmm. A great thing, you know, the, the stuff he did as a freshman and then the state track meet and the discus, you know, going in and going in about seventh place or whatever, ended up in you know, a battle and, mm-hmm. and those type things. But, you know, just just watching him grow as a young man and growing as a leader has been, it's been fun as we've gone through. Once again, uh, we're talking with head coach Daryl Daly of Abernathy coming off a, a big win over Sundown, that being 42-9, to their opener against River Road. They won that one 33-12, and they've got Wellington this weekend. Coach, uh, I'm going to kind of let you let you off with this last question. It seems like I ask you this all the time, but I guess what do you feel is going to put you all in a good position to win against Wellington this weekend? Well, we, we've got to be able to, you know, to, uh, they're going to try to ground the ball out. And they're yep. going to try to keep the ball away from you. And we've got to get some big stops on defense and and uh, be able to, you know, spread the field on them and do a great job offensively because, you know, they, they're so well coached. They do. You know, I can look at films from 2014 back. They run the same thing exactly, yep. you know, and they do a great job with it. You know, we just we got to take that initial punch and then just control it down the and take the shots when we can, and uh, hopefully we just get better playing the game, and then hopefully that means you know means a victory. That'd be great. Well, you will have the X factor of being at home this time, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a, a seat that will not have a butt in it this weekend. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it'll be a big game just because it's first home game. Plus, yep. it's us well intended. You know, people kind of fill our stadium to watch games so yep. that's a great deal for our kids well once again coach day daily appreciate the time man of course uh, you all play wellington that being abernathy wellington at seven thirty friday should be a good one appreciate the time coach and we'll talk to you uh, down the line hey thanks carla appreciate well, it once again that's coach daryl daly of abernathy speaking to him on the lone star varsity podcast and we'll talk to you all soon we appreciate you listening don't forget to check us out on lubbockonline.com and on twitter at lone star varsity appreciate you all listening we'll talk to you next week